Hello, my name is Henry. For those of you who haven't uh, met me before, it's very lovely to meet you on this online, one-way, talking-to-you podcast. Um, I, uh, I'm one of the co-founders of The Weekly Service. I've been involved when it was a, um, an idea in mine and Cam's head uh, five or so years ago now. And I've curated quite a few times. I've told loads of stories when right at the beginning there was no one who wanted to tell the story. It's just me and Cam. Um, and I'm really happy to be here giving a short 20-minute podcast on curation. And my name is Jeremy. And um, for those of you who don't have my background context, um, I've been a member of the Weekly Service for a few years now. And I've also inhabited the roles of curator, storyteller, and participant um, and so bring my own perspectives from that practice into this little, uh, little podcast on maybe some things you consider around what you should do as a facil- uh, curator. So we have uh, been given a brief of to do this podcast in around 20 minutes. And just to put that into context, uh, Jeremy and I gave some training at the beginning of last season, which was about seven hours. So, <laughs> so we're going to try and uh, be to the point. Um, this is like our fourth take. <laughs> um, but we wanted to, um, I guess first before we go into to, to do this, we just want to acknowledge that we're just two people in the weekly service that have a bit of experience and a bit of history. Um, we're just some perspectives. The beauty of the weekly service is, as a curator in particular, but also storyteller and all the other roles, it, it is what you bring to it and is what you want to make it. Um, so just take what we're saying and um, form that into your own expression of a service. Um, but what we wanted to talk about today is just what is the role of a curator? Jara gave a really um, excellent little 20 minute sort of overview of the weekly service. And we just wanted to drill down a little bit more on curation. Uh, what it is, um, what resources you can have, and uh, why it exists, basically. Um, and we have three sort of key pillars that we've identified as that we thought would be useful to talk today in the, the context of curation. One of those is atmospheres, um, the other is um, facilitation, and the third pillar is safe spaces. So we'll start with atmospheres. Um, now, uh, we should say up front that there's pretty much a PhD on this. Kirsty um, wrote a PhD on the weekly service and a huge component of that was um, atmospheres and she sort of coined that term in the context of the weekly service. So uh, I can't really do it justice and there's a, you know, a thousand page document supporting this. But what I think when... Um, we talk about atmospheres is just the feeling you have when you walk into that space. So uh, as humans in 2020, we all have busy, frenetic, chaotic lives um, that are in often in our head, um, full of worries. Um, I don't know about you, but my ego's there uh, sort of 98% of the time. And um, we're just in this like really busy lifetime, uh, busy lifestyle. And um, what the weekly service does, and this was its intent from the very beginning, and that's really sort of endured over, the, over time, um, is to create an atmosphere where we come in out of the storm and it's a place to just contemplate, um, to be with other humans, just to reflect on being human, um, uh, to, 
you know, get out of a thinking space, be vulnerable, just just be a human being. And the um the the atmospheric components that you can create as a curator are really integral uh to that. And so what we mean by that is it's just as simple as uh, music, using music, for example, as as a as a a way to help people connect. When I curate, and when I've curated, I always uh, use um, a beautiful song called uh, "The Nature of Daylight" by Max Richter. It's something that moves me, and it's something that I ground the space um, right at the beginning. And uh, you know, it's nothing more complicated than using a beautiful song and using that as reverence and getting people to close their eyes and connect into it. Um, for me, the master of atmospheres is is Kirsty. Um, I love her services. They are always uh, full of uh, care and depth. And um, when you walk into the space, you just feel like somebody has really, really paid a lot of attention, a lot of care to to this space. You feel it. Um, I never forget when uh, someone who first started coming to the service said that she sat down it's the first first one she'd been to and she just sobbed um, and there was nothing really that was even spoken or, or anything. It was just the, the atmosphere that she she connected into. So your role as a curator, uh, as creatively as you want to be, is about creating an atmosphere to help people connect into their human nature. Jeremy, did you want to say anything more on atmospheres? I think you've really done a good job to capture everything. And all I just want to say for me in a nutshell, it's just like, when I close my eyes at the end of a service, what do I feel in my body? And that's, that, that's the impression of an atmosphere and that's what I get from it. Cool. Yeah, and I think um, practical things, it's like, you know, decor, using foliage, vegetation, flowers, I don't know, candles, Candles, yeah. Thinking about the themes of what are being told and carried in that day and then what ways they can come to life in visual formats. Yeah. And now that we're online, there's a bit more restrictions around how we can play with the sort of central experience, but there's still ways that we can activate that. Totally. And, and um, not to be sycophantic, but uh, again, one of Kirsty's services is actually your story, Jeremy, which was... Uh, in pursuit of fluid ground and uh, Kirsty was curating and uh, even on the which is an online service the first one and even just in that online space she and you did such an amazing job of just even though it was like you know a, a 30 inch screen in front of me and you know bloody another zoom or whatever I just it, it broke my heart like listening to your story and just seeing the reverence um that was put into the spaces where you and Kirsty were speaking to and the, in the effort that was put into coordinating that service, it was, it really can work. That atmosphere really worked online. Uh, okay. So we'll, we'll stop talking about atmospheres. There's a whole load more we could talk about mm -hmm. it, but we're just going to touch on the next pillar, which is, uh, facilitating your role as a curator is facilitating a, um, you know, a group discussion and the various elements of a service. And, it's really important to, I feel like, to note that um, facilitation is an art and a craft and a profession that you could spend decades learning and doing. And so I think 
while we do our best to, to facilitate to a high standard, um, we also want to keep the bar at a pretty much an accessible and achievable level and knowing that we're here to also turn up as humans and to hold space for other people too. So we've got a resource where we've broken down some micro and macro skills that have been shared by some facilitators, trained facilitators who have been a part of the service over the years. Um, that will be available as a part of this podcast. I think what I'll be talking to in particular is sort of a distillation of everything into sort of three core principles that um, I think as a facilitator, you could always encourage and um, yeah, sort of embody within the space and set the tone as, and be the role model for them. Uh, the first particular practice and principle I like to think about is deep listening. Um, and this is the idea of listening from the heart with compassion and a willingness to learn from each person's wisdom. Being open to each person's thoughts and feelings with curiosity and without judgment. Um, and this includes like no fixing or trying to override anyone's sovereignty and their right to own experience and process. The next principle I think is being present. And so as Henry mentioned before and amongst our generally quite busy and frenetic lives, um, having space to quieten the mind and bring our attention to the present moment to be with our own experiences, but also with experiences of other people within the space um, becomes an important thing. And so presencing, which is the blending of presence and sensing, uh, means to connect with the source of our highest future possibility, both individually and as a group of people, and to bring it into the now. And lastly, um, I think this is a really good particular uh, for the discussion section of our, um, of our service, which is the principle of open and appreciative inquiry. And so creating room for exploration and discovery rather than advocacy or judgment and kind of encouraging people to ask questions rather than making broad statements and trusting that what is most important will emerge in time. Imperfect, perfect, however it needs to be. Awesome. Beautiful principles. And uh, I just wanted to add there as, as a facilitator, just in a more sort of practical organisational perspective, as a facilitator, you're also facilitating uh, the sort of flow and time, you know, the thing starts at 11, it ends at 12.30, there are various elements and just the sort of basics of uh, just keeping to time, keeping the storyteller to time, moving things along and that uh, you may be a trained facilitator with decades of, you know, decade experience or whatever, or you may be someone completely new that's in, in, in the invites to everybody um, to, to curate. And if you haven't got much experience and you're really nervous about curating, you can have trust in um, the format of the weekly service and that it works. And that if you have, uh, you know, 10, 10 minutes of sort of grounding and contexting, you have 20 minutes of storytelling, you have um, a little bit of group discussion, um, you have a meditation, you have a sing song, you know, you do all of those elements and keep it to time. People will have a, a, an experience that's a, a really beautiful experience, especially if you're creating an atmosphere around that as well. So just to have sort of faith in, in that. So the next thing we wanted to move on to is the third pillar of curation is um, creating a safe space. So Jeremy's going to go into a bit of detail in that, but uh, just before, I just wanted to say 
something from my perspective when I'm a participant um, is that the weekly service can be really confronting for me sometimes. I have a fair bit of cynicism, you know, particularly when I'm uh, out of balance, which is, you know, a lot of the time in my life when I, you know, when I'm just chaotic and crazy and busy and I can just be a bit of a cynical person. And sometimes that cynicism can be really dialed up um, in services. And when that is, um, and, I, and I've spoken to other people and participants and they, they have a similar experience where it's like, oh, you know, it's group think and privileged people coming together and, you know, all of these things that I, that I have that are up, up, upwelling in me. Um, and they're all, they're all fair things to, to, to think or whatever. But where that's been, where a curator has really helped me with that is by setting expectations and boundaries right at the front. What, what is this service about? What is the story about? What are we discussing? What are we not discussing? You know, when um, I think it was Jarrah um, talked about in her service, Five Bicycles of My Life, when Ben gave his story, <clears throat> she really said up front, you know, this isn't a service about conflict or dissent. This is a service about celebration and joy. And we're really going to own that. And this isn't a space for, for anything else. We can have those other spaces. And that was it. That was me managed. I was there 100%. I, uh, I loved that service. I felt safe. And um, my cynicism was, uh, was my, sin- my, my ego called Frank, was, uh, he, was, he was a check. <laughs> and I think that's a wonderful point that you've made there is that um, each service is going to go into different territories, exploring different themes. And sure, you could apply a critical theory and lots of different frameworks to every single story you hear. Um, but I think what's really powerful and can be a really grounding experience for a lot of people is the facilitator, curator, really setting the tone for what they want to explore in that space and setting a very clear expectations and guidelines around what that will be. Um, and I find this probably one of the most powerful ways to then just orient people towards a certain mood to those atmospheres and those sort of principles or practices that we mentioned earlier. Um, and I think this becomes important because um, this idea of creating safer spaces is really just trying to honour that um, everyone who comes into the weekly surface will come from a very different background, context, and a variety and range of experiences that could intersect with a whole range of themes such as race, gender, uh, class, um, and, you know, the list goes on. Um, and that in that we don't really know who will show up and whether there's going to be trauma or any other sort of really um, experiences that can be brought to bear or provoked within the space of the weekly service. And so we need to maybe have that a bit on top of mind whenever we're creating a story um, and sharing some of the things that might emerge in the space. So for me, some general ideas, I think in particular what Henry is speaking to is this idea of managing very strict boundaries and expectations. So think up front, if you can be very clear around the sort of themes and content that you'll be exploring, if there's going to be really difficult or potentially provoking, even triggering content, that that's really flagged up front. You're very clear around that, and then people are then aware and have the capacity to resource themselves um, if they need to throughout the service. I think it's also important to really outline the format of the surface and be very clear about how that's going to run, how long things are going to run for, and the types of interactions that people will be invited to participate in, whether that's 
the small interactions, whether it's talking in front of a big group. Different people will have different relationships to how comfortable they are with no situations. And I think one really important thing that I find really uh, helpful for me is the attendee is given choice over how to moderate their experience. So everything is really optional. Um, and so cameras can be on or off, understanding that there's really important reasons why people might have the cameras off. Um, it's optional for people to join breakout rooms. They may prefer to have a silent reflection and that's what they need for that day. And there's a range of other things that you can just encourage people in general is just to do what they need to do to help them feel grounded, to help them feel safe and connected. Um, and I think we've covered sort of just sort of the key ideas and principles is just really trying to help people be able to go through an experience, to be aware of what they're going through, and also knowing that there is some degree of ways in which they can support themselves. Sometimes there is content that we'll explore and that will be provoking, will be triggering, and might bring up some experience from the past that is very difficult to uh, go through again. And so in those situations or moments, it's really important that in advance you have a bit of foresight and considering what are the, some of the sort of more broader support structures you can have in place. Is there hotlines? Is there communities? Is there other people that they can be in contact with that may help them sort of come to terms and make sense of that experience that might have been brought out in that particular service? Um, and lastly, I think what I want to touch on is that um, I think one of the sort of biggest safeguards I think you can really have going into a service is in the shaping of the story itself. A good practice I would really encourage for uh, every curator is to have the storyteller tell a story two to three times before they even present it in the space. It's just to ensure that um, the story has been processed, it's been managed, and that the person's going to be able to hold that story. And knowing that uh, instances of vicarious trauma where trauma can be transmitted from the story into other people can occur. And so I think we're trying to avoid that in these, um, in these particular circumstances. And so I think a well-processed story that um, doesn't provide or provoke or trigger anymore is probably one of the best ways you can protect the audience and provide that safer environment for people to engage with uh, storytelling. The only other thing I wanted to add is uh, when we talk about safety, it's, it's, it's worth talking about the safety of the storyteller as well. True. Um, because, uh, you know, the service, I mean, this, the, the services are very, very, tends to be a pretty safe space generally anyway. And people are, are very good hearted and, and uh, are there um, to support. But it's worth just mentioning sort of, of course, people may be triggered and they may disagree with what's being said. And, and depending on the context of your service, you may invite that or you may not invite that. But if you do invite that, I think that's totally cool. Um, but it just really needs to be framed with respect and with kindness, really. They, they, and I think as a curator, you really are authorised in that space to really sort of just with love and respect, just to kind of manage that a bit. Like if the storyteller is just being very, very vulnerable and shared their story. Uh, it may not gone quite as well as they wanted or it may have been or whatever, but, you know, it's, I think it's really important to, to make mm. sure that they're feeling loved and respected. Definitely. And I think one of the key things I like to do is I like to encourage the audience to be able to hold the storyteller yeah. and go back to, and I always like to redirect back to those principles and practices. Uh, they can always be just a helpful reminder for people to moderate their own experiences. You know, I know there's many times I've wanted to be cynical and I wanted to tear someone apart. 
And I've got to realize that's my own stuff that I'm bringing to the space and I want to take responsibility for that. Cool. So we're, uh, we're up to our 20 minutes um, and I think we've sort of covered a couple of uh, services as well. So we don't need to go into too much detail, but yeah, just um, it's a real pleasure for us to do this. It's a, a really sort of light touch intro to curation and there are uh, a heap of resources and support uh, if you're up for curating online this season or in the future, um, you can get in touch with me or Jeremy before your service. There's a document that we've created that kind of goes through what curation is in more detail and, and facilitation. And there's a whole bunch of curators um, and people involved in the weekly service that are, are the, you know, there's a whole community of practice that you can, you can dial into. Um, but... Uh, have a very good service yeah wish you all the best um while it can be overwhelming remember that this is all the opportunity to have fun and you know it is a practice it takes practice um so yeah go easy on yourself um and only go to the places that you feel comfortable all right check me out see you later see you later